This is Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host. Good evening, KOTO listeners. You are tuned in to Off the Record on KOTO Telluride. This is Julia Caulfield from the news team. I'm going to be your host for the hour, although as um, I said before we hopped on just a few minutes, seconds ago, um, we're going to be looking at some poetry from local poets this evening. April is National Poetry Month, so we figured um, what better time to recognize some of the amazing local poets that we have in the region. Um, I will say, trying to coordinate a number of people coming into the studio to talk about poetry in the depths of off-season is not the easiest thing to do. Um, and so a lot of our really talented, wonderful people are, are out of town, but we're able to either send in some um, recordings of poems or do some recordings before they got out of town. We also have at least one poet coming in later uh, in the hour to chat for a little bit. But I will also say for anybody who's listening, if you are a poet or you want to give it a try, maybe give something a write in the next hour and give us a call, 970-728-4333. Um, if you would like to share anything that you've written on the radio, we would love to hear it and share it with all of our listeners. Uh, we're going to start off, we're also going to be playing some music throughout the hour, so it should be a nice kind of slow easing back into... Um, not easing back into the season because we're still very much in off season and we want to hold on to that for as long as possible. Um, but easing back into off the record, easing out of spring break and into um, the rest of the school year happening and, and things starting to bustle a little bit more in town. Um, we're going to start with some poems from our very own Diva Chisonis, former San Miguel County Poet Laureate. Uh, so we're going to start there. She sent in some um, readings of her poems. And then we'll, we'll get to some music that maybe will um, inspire you or get, sh get your poetry synapses tingling. Um, so maybe grab a pen and paper and write your own little poem while you listen. Um, all right, here we go. This is um, a few poems from, from Diva. Hello and happy spring from the west end of the county over here in Norwood. This is Diva Chisonis, former San Miguel County Poet Laureate. I was very happy to hand off the laureateship into the capable hands of Joanna Spindler in 2022. I would also like to mention that, yes, it is National Poetry Month. So thanks, Kodo and Julia for for celebrating that um, across the mountains and the mesas. I have two poems today, um, and they involve two things right in my face right now. The first one, the wind, the W word. Uh, and the second one is about being in an arid landscape out here and what that means in our uh, daily life and functions. Beak to the wind. 
When four million things want your attention and not one of them care that you're tired, beak to the wind. When sadness buries you in a too big coat and the zipper keeps getting stuck, beak to the wind. When the best part of a favorite person gets whittled down to nubs and twigs, beak to the wind. Beaks come in many shapes for many purposes. Meat eater beaks, fruit and nut eater beaks, seed eaters, fish eaters, nectar feeders. They can be long, short, curved, or cone-shaped. Whatever it is, it's something to envy. There's really no reason to compare humans to birds, but man, when you see them split a fierce wind by turning straight into it, it's a dance of the still and the soaring, the dramatic and the determined, the rough and the ready. My second poem, well, it kind of gives it all away in the title, and sometimes I like when that happens with a poem's title. Fluffy dryer towels are for cowards. If you come to my house and take a shower, you'll be handed a crispy towel. Line hung in an already dry place. In July, it'll have dried in just over eight minutes. I've timed it. I know. You can actually watch it happen. The heaviness of wetness giving way to planky parchment. Once they're light as sheets, the summer winds blow them about, and they land in sage and cactus, now fragrant and dangerous. The towel I'll give you will be rolled to make it look soft, but it's not. Once you're dry, you'll glow like after a full-body strawberry seed exfoliation at a spa. A spa with soft towels. My towels give you vigor. They make you polite. These towels at my house are a rigid reminder that softness is fleeting and comfort benign.
Dakota listeners, you are tuned in to Off the Record on KOTO Telluride. You might think, hey, they normally do quite a bit of talking if you just joined us. Um, but today we are showcasing some of the local poets in the region as we kind of ease our way back into Off the Record after spring break. Um, at the top, we heard from Diva Chisones. And now we're going we're gonna to play a couple little uh, poems that Kelly Fox, KOTO's own Fox Den, um, sent over. Uh, she recently came out with a new book of poetry. And so we're going to share a couple from, from her. All right, here we go. Listening to rain beat against copper eaves, I'm reminded of a night spent in the basement room inhabited. Water flowing through pipes above the headboard, sound traveling from one end of the room to the other. So much like the wind in the trees across the lake rushing towards our tent. Everything is a long, uninterrupted stream of interconnected memories, remembrances, reminiscences, born of broken silence. Nearly morning, the moon is just past full, peering bashfully out from behind a scraggly tree in our neighbor's yard. The first shepherds of dawn are opening their sleepy beaks. I greet another year, this time with no secrets, no jealousies, no resentments. Despite my best efforts to the contrary, I find myself back at the beginning. Before um, she took off out of town for a little bit, I was able to sit down and chat with Jackie Garcia, who um, some of y'all may know as one of the 
founders, one of the two founders of The Fig, which is an arts collective in town. Um, she's a very talented poet. Um, so we sat down, chatted a little bit about poetry. She shared some of her own. So we're going to um, go with that little pre-recorded interview that we have. And then we also have another local poet in studio with me right now. So we're going we're gonna to get to her in a couple minutes as well. I've also noticed semi-unintentionally... We're showcasing women poets today, which I'm here for. Um, we obviously have a lot of very talented men who are poets as well, but today we're going for the ladies. All right, this is my conversation with Jackie Garcia. First is just to make sure our levels are good. Okay. Um, do you mind introducing yourself with your first and last name and then... Um, what you had for breakfast this morning. Um, I'm Jackie Garcia, and I made uh, a scramble this morning with caramelized onions and kale. Yes, that, that sounds good. good. Mm-hmm. Jackie. Yes. <laughs> um, can you just first share a little bit about, um, I mean, it sounds like a crazy question because you've probably been a poet your whole entire <laughs> life, but what brought you into poetry, and how did you get started writing your own? Um, yeah, so I embrace the idea I think of myself as a as a writer or a poet or an artist of any sort when I was in college um, I went to a liberal arts school and found myself surrounded by a lot of other artists who wore that proudly and I think that was something I had never done for myself and in fact I remember writing poems in like middle school and high school in a journal and as soon as I would write them I would tear out the page and throw it away because I was like embarrassed about that form of expression. So it wasn't really until I was in college um, in some of my creative writing classes that people allowed me or supported me to kind of uh, call myself an artist and to move into writing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You are obviously an artist in other capacities as well. You don't just do poetry. Um, But what do you feel like poetry brings as an art form that is like special in its form of allowing you to share your self-expression or make comment on the world? Mm -hmm. For me, it's really emotional um, and very raw. I think that is what separates poetry for me as a form that I turn to a lot because often in moments where I'm feeling something or experiencing experiencing something that I really want to remember or to process or to get out, Uh, Poetry is like an easy form to follow, to just be so in the moment um, and to pare it down to what's important. Where do you find your inspiration from? Um, Mostly my own emotional processes. Like it is, it's therapy, you know, and, and not to replace therapy. I love therapy, but like (laughs) also. Yes, and. (laughs) Yes, exactly. You know, it's, it's this way that allows me to like when things seem chaotic in my mind or turbulent inside my body, I can put them on the page and feel relief. Um, And so that is where a lot of it comes from, which is why a lot of my poetry is deeply personal. But I also think that in times when it's not so emotional uh, and so immediate, it's this really great form for me to appreciate and take a closer look at what's mundane in my life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I think for like including myself in this category of like, Mm -hmm. I enjoy poetry, I like it, but I do not feel a connoisseur by any means Mm -hmm. that, you know, we can sometimes have an idea of like, this is what poetry looks like, or this is what poetry sounds like. This is the structure of how poems are. Mm -hmm. What does poetry look like for you? I think that anything can be poetry in the poetry that I consume. I read a lot of narrative poetry, which looks like 
a book, you know? Um, and I think that it's more about the ethos behind the writing than it is about the format. Um, for me, I usually use fewer words than I would if I were writing something in a more narrative form. Um, but I genu like generally don't follow a lot of structure. Like I don't go in with an idea of what a poem should look like. And I think that whatever format it becomes is due to more like pausing for emphasis and things like that. For folks who maybe are intrigued but have never picked up the pen or pencil themselves or maybe they have but felt notice, like nervous about it. Maybe mm -hmm. they have written poetry and like ripped it out of the mm -hmm. journal and thrown mm -hmm. it away. Mm -hmm. What would you, um, what advice would you give to new poets who are just starting out on how to embrace maybe the, the word poet for themselves or kind of embrace the journey of like mm -hmm. becoming a poet? Um, I think something that's been really helpful for me is like, don't be afraid to write bad poetry. Like, no one has to see it besides you unless you want them to. Um, and that's besides the point, you know. Um, I think keeping in mind that this is for you. This is expression. Like, art is expression in its most basic form. And if it gets out something that you need to say, that's what's important. Um, so, like, really not holding yourself, I think, to any standards or to any formats in the beginning is really helpful. Is there anything else you'd like to add that I haven't asked? Ooh, I don't know. Um... I would like to talk a little bit about, I guess, what poetry has meant to me through the years, and I'm going through a transition with it, I think, that is kind of interesting, um, and I think I kind of want to highlight that in some of the poems that we read here, because there was this time, like, I've seen myself grow in the way that poetry has evolved for me, um, and when I look back, I have all these collections of poems that are, like, very emotional and raw and chaotic, and most of them have to do with love and, like, just looking back at the person that I was who wrote those poems, she was like so fun and passionate and also very chaotic and a little destructive. And um, I, it's interesting to feel as if that chapter of my life has, you know, I've moved on from it or it has closed. And I think I only realized that when I noticed that I wasn't writing those poems anymore, um, which I really appreciate and love. Um, and some of me like misses that girl a little bit. Um, I, I'm happy to like have put a little bit of her in the past, but it's the part of me that misses her is the same part that gets a little bit bored when I read my current work sometimes. <laughs> but uh, it's all a process, so. Do you feel like you get to like tap into her a little bit when you go back and read those older poems? Yes, definitely. I mean, they're so poignant, like they're so specific. They bring me right back to the situation in which I wrote them in, um, which is always fun. Um, on that note, do you mm -hmm. mind reading a couple poems for us? Sure, yes. Um, so, um, a lot of my work as an artist is centered around love and human interaction, and I have uh, told this little story a couple of times to preface when I read my work or play a song, um, but I always look down on myself a little bit about that, um, and it's something I'm working on getting over because it seems like a little petty and like pedantic, and um, I took a writing workshop with Craig Childs during COVID time, actually, like after the lockdown when we were still had to be outside. And it was lovely. It was a really great experience. But um, at one point, I remember expressing to him that I wanted to, you know, I, I really admired his style and what he writes about. Um, and I wanted to expand my horizon and what I write about and like learn to process my life and my emotions in other forms and not always in this, like in my interactions with people. Because um, I was like, I write about love, and I want to move past that. And 
um, I was kind of talking down on myself, and uh, Craig Charles was like, oh, love, you mean only the driving force that unites us all or something to that effect? And I was like, oh, okay, like, point taken. Like, Craig Childs gave me permission to write about love (laughs) and be proud of it. (laughs) Um, So without further ado, I'm going to read a poem from, like, what I now view as a past self um, called Manic Pixie Nightmare. Um, And it goes like this. I'll be your Manic Pixie Nightmare. Let me take you for a spin. And we'll forget for just one moment all the trouble that I'm in. We'll chase the sunset over a bridge, park and wander from the road. I'll play some obscure indie band as you drive your car. We can't take mine because it's been towed. I'll whisper some dark, enticing secrets, and you'll be refreshed by a love that's true. But I won't tell you about my credit card debt as we romp around a music festival or two. My nonchalance will impress you until you realize it's mostly fake. And you'll realize you're not really into all the medication that I take. And so we'll go our separate ways, and I'll remember you, as would any poet. But if you want to read what I've written on my laptop, you'll have to ask the guy who stole it.
All right, Koto listeners, you are in tune with KOTO Telluride. We are highlighting some local poets, mostly virtually in the sense that they sent us either recordings or did some recordings before they took off to different parts of the world. But uh, I am joined in studio with the one, the only... Suzanne Chevin. Hi, Julia. Hi, thanks for thanks for being the one person in town. <laughs> it feels like it. I I walked in from Lawson Hill and um, Wait, you you walked? Yeah. <gasps> I love that for you. Yeah, I love it when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I have a desk job, so I was like, okay, I'm done with what I can do today, and I had an appointment with you. Yes. So I hoofed it. I love that. It was so nice out, and there's a bazillion elk on the valley floor, and it's dirty and dusty, but oh my gosh, I love off-season. It's the best time to be here. I love it. Love it. Um, we're going to chat a little bit about some poetry stuff, but let's start off with, do you mind sharing a poem with us? Not at all. Let me do... Um this is such modern poetry. It's not my cool little poet's chat book thingy. It's my laptop. Hey, it all works. Okay, I'm gonna, I picked this one. We talked about it a little bit. I picked this one. I wrote this uh, one day when I was out in the wild and realized I didn't have my cell phone with me, which is like, it's a little disconcerting. I mean, in these modern times. And... I was about even with Eider Creek when I realized, you know what? Because I wanted to take a picture of a duck or something, and I did not have my cell phone, so I think this one will work. Funny how modern life makes us feel, untethered, rudderless, unseen. That sliver of chips and whatever other magic it possesses languishes in the green room, now fully charged, but forgotten. After our bows, my body ached and I longed for whiskey in bed. I hung my costume, pulled on my boots, and hurried into the slushy night. At home, I finally felt the weightlessness of disconnection, the uneasy sense of being unfound. But then I fell into lysergic dreams of old women who disdain handshaking. By morning, I find I care even less that my anchor is away. Soon enough, I'll be reunited where I will discover nothing much at all is missed. Ooh, that one, ooh. That one gave me feels. <laughs> I feel like, oh gosh. <laughs> You've done that, right? I've done that. Well, <laughs> totally and, done and that. also, I mean, we talked about it before um, we hopped on briefly, too, of just like how connected we are. And so that kind of, it's horrible, but when you, you know, the power goes out, the internet goes out, you forget your phone, whatever that is, like, there's, like, a, it hurts yeah. in your in your heart, and you're like, oh, gosh, I don't like that that hurts there's, in my heart. There's <laughs> kind of a physicality to it. Yeah. But what's ironic is when you don't have all this stuff, you're actually, you're open to being reconnected. Yeah. Which is, that's realer. Yeah, <laughs> that's more realer. That's more realer. Uh, Chevins, how did you get into writing poetry? Well, I kind of have always done it, you know, just really bad poetry in my high school diary, that kind of thing, and um, always trying to write song lyrics and, and stuff like that. But um, when I came to Telluride, you know, there's such a creative, deep pool here. Um, 
came across the likes of one Rosemary Watola Tromer, who is simply amazing. Mm-hmm. Her work her work blows me away. But she introduced me, and and I believe she still does this. So it's been literally decades. But she introduced me to the concept of writing a poem a day. You know, it's like going to the gym every day, or going to you know going for a walk every day. Whatever it is you do every day that keeps you in shape, if you will, practice your guitar. You know a poem a day and I thought some years ago a little bit before the pandemic I thought I'm gonna do that and I call it self-publishing instant self-publishing I put whatever it was on Facebook and I did that for about three or four years and I've kind of tapered off but one of my New Year's resolutions if you believe in stuff like that is this year I was gonna go you need to poem more so I have been How do, so, you know, I think for anybody that has a daily practice, right, sometimes you don't want to do it. It's right. like, I don't feel like doing that today. So when you, um, I guess when, when you are sitting down or in the evening and you're like, oh, shoot, I haven't written my poem for the day today. Like, where, how do you, where do you like pull from to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And where do you get that inspiration from? Well, some of some of the coolest stuff I've ever do, ever done has been from a prompt. You know, somebody or something will put a word or a phrase in your head and you just riff off of it. And you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and go, I am a great poet. I don't even I don't even hang out with poets. I mean, the, poets are fearsome to me. They just are just mighty channelers of the divine and and I just feel like I, you know, I skim along the surface. Um, but prompts are, are just I don't know. I just have an imagination, and I love playing with words. I think I think poetry for me is just it's just a lot of fun, and you know I'm no judge of if it's good or not. But um, yeah, I just just do it. You know, it's kind it's like the Nike ad. Just do it, um, and it's a discipline. You do make yourself do stuff sometimes when you just don't feel like it. You know, you don't feel like going to the gym in the morning or whatever. You know. But when you do it, it all, you always feel better. Yeah. So I, I just, I make myself, I'm mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but <laughs> you get good poetry out of it. So yeah. we, we had somebody, um, a listener text in say, they're not just simple poems either. It's effing impressive what you do, your poems a day that you post. Oh, wow. So you have, you have fans out there. Wow. Um, I, I will say, so this is a request. Um, it says, ask her to read the one about her friend struggling. It was recent on Facebook. Oh, okay. If you know that one, but also if you need a moment to find it while you think about that one. I'm yeah. also going to ask, this is a question that I asked Jackie as well. Um, you are a, an artist in other capacities outside of being a poet. You also do theater, you do music, the like. What is it, and, and you kind of touched on this already, but what is it about poetry that is um, either different or especially um, satisfying or um, just like, what makes poetry different as a way of expressing yourself or maybe making comment on the world? Um, yeah, that, yeah, it's, it's the self-expression. It's, it's about me, man. <laughs> But not about me. It's about the filter that is me. It's about how stuff comes in and and the way it comes out. And 
um, it's my commentary, you know, like when we're in a play or something, you know, like Shakespeare, for instance, he has all kinds of opinions about the ways of, of mankind, humankind, and, um, you know, which is great, and I love him, and he's an influence for sure, but everybody has a point of view, and again, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's like wordplay. It's the play I get to do with words. I get to read great playwrights, great words, great dialogue. And then this is just sort of um, maybe feeding off of all that, you know? Because, yes, I love theater. Yes, I love music. Yes, I love writing. And it's just kind of all the same, man. We're all one. <laughs> it's all one. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, okay, I'm going to put on a put on some music briefly while you find this poem that has been requested of you. A request. I know. You're getting poetry requests. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Koto listeners, if you're just tuning in, we are um, talking about poetry on this April evening. April is National Poetry Month, so we figured um, what better than to, to highlight some of the local poets. We're sharing some who, sharing some poetry from folks who, um, recorded because they're out of town and in studio we have the one and only Suzanne Chevins Um, we'll be back in just one moment thanks for tuning in Suzanne Chevins has the requested poem in hand. A, po- a poem request. A poem request. My gosh. That means you've really made it. Because <laughs> honestly, 
I don't know, when I write stuff, I just throw it out into the universe and I don't really think about it until like I get invited to something like this and I go, oh, what do I do? New work, old work? Well, that sounds so poey. <laughs> Poety. Here's the requested poem. My friend, what is it you want to do? I can throw you a line, but that's only good if it's caught. I can feed you to the end of your days, but only if you come to the table. You are a wild and free soul, but you lost your way to Easy Street. Drive down my street. Settle in with friends who care. You didn't get the girl, the brass ring, or the winning ticket. No. But what awaits you is warm and safe, loving and fun, only if you want it. Because if you are enthralled with a vision of a lonely death, cold and hungry and out of gas on a tumbleweed highway, well, that's out there. So there's little to decide. Only how you write the last chapters of your enchanting memoir. Will your heart stay stubborn or wide open like a flower? It's never too late for the life you deserve. Hmm. <laughs> I wrote that about somebody in particular. Yeah? Yeah. How do you, I mean, you, you've, you've kind of touched on it already in some ways, but... Where, um, where do you, in terms of like what you write about, especially when you write often, um, where, do, where does the inspiration come from? Is it from like, you see something, you feel something like, where are you going to, to be like, this is the nugget that is going to inspire a poem? Well, often it's right outside my window. <clears throat> it's nature. Nature is mainly, mainly the thing, but, um, in the, in the, instance of this poem it's about a person who I care about who has chosen a certain path that I have come to accept that it's not for me to change you know I've I've telegraphed my availability to you know be that shelter from the storm um, but it's not my choice so you know I was nattering over that and that's where that one came from but you know often it's it's a cloud it's a bird it's the wind it's the trees it's snow I, there's so many snow poems <laughs> Of course there could be yeah. so many snow poems so many snow poems and sometimes it's the newspaper you know I just um it's it's one of my one of my morning rituals it's you know, as a former journalist, I'm sort of hooked on the news. Yeah. I, I do like what's going on in the world. You know, I like to establish a certain daily situational awareness before I go about my merry way. You know, if it's all radioactive outside, I'll know to stay inside if mm -hmm. I read the news, right? That's yeah. an extreme example. But, you know... Um, yeah, it's it's just part of it's part of my everyday life. But um, I can do that one about the news. Yeah, do the news. Okay. <laughs> I tried to read the news today. I really did. It's the same every day: war and crime and economics and politics and games and our burning planet. I know and I know I should read every word as if the stories are clues to understanding the calamity and the chaos and the occasional kindness. Today, anyway, I understand nothing. But I hear the crow's clamorous conversation outside my window and the crackle of cold snow clinging to the finch-laden trees. 
I feel a disquiet of purpose. Even spring hesitates. I fly by the headlines, banners that proclaim how we repeat our history over and over until death do us part. At last, I find comfort in the usual place, saving recipes to last until the end of my days, imagining feasts, great and small, kitchens redolent of laughter, wine in every cup, the world held at bay simply by sitting at the table. I surely did try to read the news today, but I found myself instead in a place of peace. In other words, the New York Times cooking section. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You are, as you just mentioned, um, a recovering journalist. Um, Do you, obviously, writing a news story is not the same as, is, is not poetry. But, right, the concept of, like, poetry can be anything. Yes. Do you feel like when you were writing news stories or now in your new position, when you're writing press releases or whatever it might be, do you find, do you find a poetry in that sort of, like, is, I don't, I don't, like, do you find, is there a poetry in that or, like, is there a way that you're like, I'm gonna, this, I like the, the poetic turn of phrase of this even if it's within a bigger piece that is not in itself poetry totally not so much now as I'm just you know this is new territory for me and I don't want to um, sort of like just flood everybody with my style I want to sort of bring this in gradually I have been um, told a number of times that there's a certain style for writing government well if there's one thing I can't stand is government wonk talk <laughs> I just I just don't feel like nobody except for people in government and journalists and politicians I guess speak wonk talk you know I hate expressions like in your wheelhouse or let's circle back or that was a whole great suite of ideas I hate that stuff so um, but when I was with the newspaper um, I I stretched the boundaries, you know, tried to make really fun leads so people would, A, get the basic facts, but B, want to read more because it's like, wow, this is not your usual story about a budget talk. (laughs) Mostly trying to amuse myself. (laughs) Sometimes you wonder if anybody reads it. But yeah, every, every... Writing, writing is a craft, and I'm fortunate enough to be able to not only earn my living, basically, from writing, but to play with it later. So I'm never burned out on it. I never, <clears throat> I don't have deadlines like I used to, which is actually quite a relief. I think it's done a lot for my, for my anxiety levels. Um, but yeah, words, words have always been my little playground, you know. I was one of those kids growing up that perfectly content in my room you know writing bad star trek scripts on my dad's royal typewriter i love that i know i want to i want to read those scripts (laughs) somewhere in my cache of ancient things i think i still have those i think i don't know (laughs) i would love to love to find that um i'm gonna toss us to because we are now actively running towards the end of the hour oh i genuinely do not know how that happened although so far, there's no one here at seven, so I guess we can run over a little bit if we want need to. Um, but I want to share a um, interview that I got, or a chat rather, um, than interview per se, that I did with Joanna Spindler, uh, 
last week she's the current San Miguel County Poet Laureate and um, this is some of her musings on poetry and then also she shares one at the end um, so thanks for tuning in everybody to KOT Hotel Ride. this is Off the Record we're talking poetry I'm Joanna Spendler, and I am currently the San Miguel County and Watershed Poet Laureate, um, which is um, going to be my role until around January of 2024. Can you then share a little bit about uh, this poem that you just performed for us? Yeah. um, So first of all, I always try to say that being the Poet Laureate comes with a ton of imposter syndrome, and it comes with a ton of learning. So it's not like I have this crown on my head. It's just a role I was gifted. And when I was gifted this role, uh, my friend and uh, really fun poet, uh, Art Goodtimes, told me that as Poet Laureate, it's your role to be the public bard, to talk about public things, right? So it's not really about talking about your own poetry. It's about passing the microphone. It's also about using poetry to talk about what's happening in your community. So one of the things that I've ended up doing a lot of is um, kind of elegy poetry for losses. Um, and then I also have tried really hard to, um, write about current dynamics in our community and beyond. And I try to talk about capitalism every day. So this poem is about capitalism. (laughs) What does it mean? You just touched on it a little bit, but what does Mm -hmm. it mean to be a poet to you? You know, I really think that poetry is just a vehicle for expressing big things about the human experience. And so when you think back about poetry that has meant something to you, um, at least for me, what that means is is poetry that has perhaps been from someone who has a really different lived experience than mine, but is able to talk about the human experience in a way that resonates, maybe across time, like really ancient poetry, the Sufi mystics saying things that speak to our day-to-day today in 2023 or like someone writing about their experience in a really different part of the world or a different culture but that still rings true for who we are as humans yeah you know i think so many and every art form is able to bring people together Mm -hmm. in um, really special and meaningful ways what do you think that what do you think that poetry is able to do? Or like, what is, what is its ability to yeah. create community and like pull people together from different um, aspects? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, poetry is undefined by nature or it shouldn't be overly defined. And so hopefully what that means is that it ends up being a receptacle for all manner of emotion, all manner of different kinds of creation and expression. So hopefully, right, especially as I've been working lately with a lot of like youth poets, young poets, um, I really try to express to them that there's no wrong way to do it. So in the world of poetry, there's no like wrong way to express. Like the hope is just that you are able to define or or put into words something that is meaningful to other people, right? Or to yourself as well. Like poetry just for yourself is also valid. (laughs) For folks who maybe are intrigued by poetry, but have never um, written it themselves. Yeah. How would you recommend people kind of dip their toes into that water? Okay. Um, I love anthologies because they can collect a lot of different voices in in an accessible way. Like, for instance, if you're like, oh, wow, I would never read a book by 
Ada Limon and a book by Pablo Neruda and a book by Roske. It's like maybe you can read an anthology and that has one piece from a ton of different poets. And you could be like, wow, I love this poet. I'm going to look up more of their work. Um, the uh, American Academy of Poets also has a poem of the day that you can sign up for, which I personally sign up for like once a year for about a month and a half and then unsubscribe because it gets to be too much. So having a fresh poem in your inbox every day can be really fun or it can be like, okay, I'm good now. Um, but that's like one way to learn new voices. And then I always invite people to our locally based online Bardic Trails poetry series, which is a collaboration between the Wilkinson Public Library and the Talking Gourds poetry um, program. And that's online, so really accessible. You can listen in from home while you're making dinner kind of thing. It's on the first Tuesday of every month. And we have a featured award-winning poet every time. And then attendees are also invited to read a poem of their own or a poem that they choose. And that can be a great way to like listen to new voices, learn new poets, and if you're interested, practice sharing as well. Yeah. Where do you find your biggest inspiration to write hmm. the poetry that you create? Okay, so poets like to do this thing where they use um, an epigraph, which is to say that they'll like start a poem with a little quote. Like maybe you've seen this before at the top of the quote, it'll be like, such and such by Lao Tzu. And then the poem follows, right? It's maybe inspired by that quote. Um, and I used to go around being like, wow, like all these poets that I know who start with epigraphs, they must be just like sitting around reading profound poetry all day long. And actually maybe a poem that I'll read later um, was inspired by uh, someone I follow on Instagram who wrote a really beautiful caption about a moose dying. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I sat down and wrote a poem based on an epigraph from her. Um, Anyway, so that to say, inspiration is literally everywhere. There's no right and wrong place for inspiration. And I personally find a lot from nature. And I find a lot from conversations with people I love. And, um, you know, Telluride Sweet Deals is full of great material, too. <laughs> yes. Um, what advice, if there was like a nugget of advice that you would give to um, poets who are just starting out mm. or um, kind of getting their legs under them a little bit, what would, what hmm. would be a key piece of advice for those folks? Um, don't be afraid to not finish poems. It's okay to have like fragmentary things rolling around, save them like write them down. I write them down in my notes app in my phone, really unprofound also. Um, so yeah, it's okay to write things down as they come to you unformed. It's very rare in my personal experience to have just like a visit from the muse where she perches upon your shoulder and gives you a fully formed poem, you know? And I think it's maybe a little unrealistic to think that you can sit down and write a great poem every day or like a lot of people don't have time to do that. Like it's okay to not finish poetry. Um, maybe that will come to you later or maybe you'll use that fragment elsewhere. So it's okay to not finish. Yeah. Um, do you have another poem or two that I'd you'd like to share, to share with share us? One. Yeah. So this was inspired by the badass Carol Walkner, who I follow on Instagram because she's cool and has neat trucks. Um, yeah. And she wrote a poem or she wrote a, an Instagram caption about a moose dying. So the epigraph is by Carol Walkner. When I die... Feed me to the turkey vultures and bacteria. When I die, 
Let it not be that my talents grasp with desperation, but that my strength is legible even as I drop the sword. I hold to this, our ancestral knowing that all things must cease, must deliquesce, and turn to other things. The mule deer knew this, as did the ancient cedar, though their blood and sap ran swift while they were living from their loss, a new growth virgins. A whole litter of coyote pups is to be born from what was gleaned of venison and bone. Though we cannot see it, as the body of the cedar gifts itself into the soil, mycelium prepare a bloom of mushrooms for her shroud. So let this be with me. Not that I cling to life, although we love each other. Not that I quit the fight, for we love each other too. But that I know, beyond the fathom of my bedrock, I will come to ends. My ending may as well be generous. Thus, back into the loam I go, but smiling. We are at 7 o'clock on the dot, but um, as I mentioned, we have an open slot for a DJ from 7 to 9 this evening, so I figure, why not just eek a little bit longer? We'll be bold. (laughs) DJ Otto won't mind. We'll be the 7 p.m. DJ, because I tell you what, as often happens, you know, I'm like, oh gosh, will we have the things that we need for the hour? And it goes by so quickly and we have not even gotten to nearly all the amazing poetry that folks have sent in. So I might just It's that darn keep it going. live poet that showed up. <laughs> Who just kept talking. Well, it's also, <laughs> I will say it was also me being like wanting to time things out and so we had a good break. So I played some like a long song at the beginning. Could have shortened that up played some other poetry but here we are it's okay we're packing it in at the end um all that to say suzanne chevins you have one more for us one more um this is my actual is my absolute newest one i just got back from montana and i don't often title my poems but this one is called montana Here where the sky expands like hearts in love and the sun lines your crown, mornings begin. Infinite rivers bearing little boats that skip over obstacles with a lightness of step that even the wizened ones recall. It's in the smell of warming leaves, the diminishing shoulders of dirty snow, the seesaw of the chickadee. Here on the sun-warmed afternoon steps, the bare branches are deep in thought and clouds lay low. 
with leaves so close to being born forever seems a possibility. This place is strewn with mountains, windy valleys, and crayoned with long summer days. It is an alive place, one I can leave knowing that when I return, it will breathe into me again and fill my bones with contentment. Yeah. Instead of dropping the mic, I'm closing the laptop. <laughs> um, Suzanne Chevins, thank you so much for being the one poet in town. <laughs> Who's like physically, not the one poet in Telluride, but physically oh. in town right now. Oh, the, the, po- <laughs> the poets are everywhere. Even, there's even more poets that are here than me, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, thanks for coming in and chatting. Thank you for having me. Um, this evening it was lovely to have you in here and thank you yeah as someone who has read your poetry um on facebook and the like for many times it's lovely to hear you read them in person <laughs> and i know i am not the only one saying that <laughs> um all right koto listeners we are because we because we can't we're gonna um continue a little bit longer with a couple more poems from folks um this one i'm gonna play this is from joanna another poem from joanna spindler who we just heard from this was a fun one i will say we kind of live um it has a backbeat to it and we were able to figure out how to record the backbeat with her recording it live that's me nerding out about the audio side of things um but this is one about capitalism uh that she that she wrote so here we go thanks for tuning in This one goes out with a whole lot of love and also with a load of salt about the quantity of conspicuous consumerism I've been seeing lately. Listen, I celebrate your rest. I celebrate your success. But this making it all about money is making us a whole ass mess. Who would you be if your bank account was zero? Who would you be if you weren't some kind of Instagram shopping hero? You think you're living cool and being free when your whole life's an unpaid advertisement for these companies. Hey, nice new skis, but I just want to see what's your identity outside of money. Yo, some of y'all look like you've been on vacay all year. Be a whole lot cooler if you took some breaks to volunteer and give back instead of always popping bottles and dropping all these name brands and dropping dollars. I celebrate your rest. I celebrate your success. But reducing yourself to your money, my duties, reduction is at best. Who you are is not just about what's in your wallet. Our worst human sin is our capitalism. Yo, I call it Mama Earth is dying from our avarice, our needs. The least we can do as a human community is give up on some of this greed and try to understand when enough is enough. Try to get a grip on some of this status of stuff. It's happening right here in our own Telluride where we are trying to decide if we will be defined by our fancy real estate and fancier rides or if who we are is who we are because of who we are inside. So let the dollar signs drop from your eyes. Yo, let the dollar signs drop from your eyes. This is a little ditty that I wrote the other day. Um, It's pretty silly, but I was thinking about Carrie Underwood. The greatest betrayal to my child self. I do order fruity little drinks and I can't shoot whiskey without making a funny face. But the two truths are not necessarily mutually exclusive.
Listeners, you are tuned into um, an extended version of Off the Record. We're going um, into the seven o'clock hour since we don't have a DJ. So we have some more beautiful poetry to share with um, listeners from some of our really amazing local poets. Uh, we had a friend growing up who she would always call extra innings of baseball free baseball. So this is extra innings of Off the Record, free Off the Record, but it's always free. So. That's what's great about community radio is um, we're here for you every day. Just turn your dial and, um, and we'll be here for you. I have three poems actually um, from three more poems from Jackie Garcia, who we heard an interview chat with earlier in the little more than an hour. Um, that we'll, we'll play this kind of trifecta of, of poetry um, together. Um, so here we have uh, several poems from local poet Jackie Garcia. Uh, with a prompt from the uh, Talking Gourds one week um, earlier in my time here in Telluride, and it's called Shoveling Snow. I would have moved mountains for you. I would have crawled on my hands and knees through the desert if it would have relieved your pain. But with every step I took, each bit of progress I made, you hammered another nail into your coffin and settled further into your grave. As it turns out, when I shouldered your burden and tried to lighten your load, you were an eternal storm in winter, and I was simply shoveling snow. This is a newer one that um, I wrote also kind of about love, and I'm going to try and read one that's not about that also. <laughs> but this one's called um, Caught in the Amber. The yellow of your words drifted through my fever fog, 
clung like sweat to my sticky skin and pushed a cool blue haze onto the horizon, cutting through the still late summer air. Time rolled on like molasses, and I wished I could cover us in its amber glaze, preserving our images to linger and last for ages, just as we were in that moment. Um, this one is not about love. This one is about the changing of seasons. It was more a fall poem, but I named it Withubadam, which is hard to pronounce, and I don't know if it's actually a real word, but it was like an Indian word that I discovered to mean the changing of seasons or like that, that shift um, and I really liked the idea of it. Yeah. One season slip slides past another, leaving me stained, stuck in the molasses of time. You taught me to appreciate the gentle art of leaving, you and summer, amongst the things I couldn't keep, the things that weren't mine. But even the icy breath of winter holds the faintest sigh of spring, an old reliable you and summer will return to thaw my cold heart's rhyme. I guess that one is also about love. <laughs> like, I can't, that's what I write about.
All right, Koto listeners, we're going to let you go in just a few moments, but we have two more poems that we're going to share before we take off. Um, I want to thank so much to the poets who shared their very talented work with us this evening. We have Diva Chisonis, Jackie Garcia, Kelly Fox, Joanna Spindler, and Suzanne Trevins. Thank you all for being poets in this community and helping us celebrate uh, National Poetry Month on Off the Record. Um, Thank you to all of our listeners. We appreciate you tuning in. We'll be back next week um, with our Spanish Off the Record program. And of course, we have our news Monday through Friday. Um, thanks for tuning in. We're going to go out with two more poems for you, and then we'll let you get on with the rest of your evening. Thanks for listening. The rocks of the bay are tan. Great heads covered in a peach fuzz of scrub brush reeds dried into straw. Shopping carts lie moored in the sand at low tide, and I am fascinated by the bridges, by mechanization, by points of contact by man-made structures left to rot. A graveyard of broken boardwalk pylons dot the shallows. Opaque green water breaks over cinder blocks and rusted metal. Dan gives me two cigarettes for the road and we talk about the benefits of the nuclear family laid waste. This one's new and I might stumble over it a little bit because I wrote it um, in the margins of a magazine um, on what felt like the first day of spring because it's what I had on me. Um, And this one doesn't have a title yet. In spring, they say things bloom, because they do, but also as a triumphant metaphor for the sublime emergence of our stifled souls after a long, dark, slow winter. But on the first warm, sunny day, the first bike ride, the first walk in the park, the first coffee on the porch, where the animal body we possess is content in a t-shirt in the light breeze long enough without even the thought of grabbing a sweater, bloom is not enough. Because on the first perceptible day of spring, joy explodes from every part of my energetic body with an exuberance uncontainable that will last long into the late evening sun. And I'll retire then and only when I have burst entirely, giving it all to the new season and collapse contentedly into the short, barely chilly night.